Crypto and the Rich Young Man Few churches like the story of the rich young man. It is difficult to know for sure what it is teaching us. Scripture makes it clear he is a moral human being, obedient to the teachings of God. How much of his claims were true, and how much of what he said was inflated cannot be known. Certainly, he seems to have been serious in his testimony. The problem is that he had a large fortune, which he did not wish to get rid of. This is where the depth of his faith comes into question. He obviously found obeying Jesus problematical, which means there was a lack of trust. The rich young man had more confidence in the power of wealth than the power of Jesus. The rich young man could give to the poor and make sacrifices, so long as only his surplus was affected. However, he was not ready to divest himself of his principle. This means it was not so much he mistrusted Jesus as the justice of those to whom he benefited. He did not believe they would help him when he was in need. He had every right to be mistrustful of other people's generosity. If he balked at giving up his wealth, why would others give up what they had for him? Even if he was their benefactor. Perhaps we are right to be doubtful others will help us in our time of need. We buy insurance only because we do not expect people to come to our aid if we lose our house or car. In the case of the rich young man he had Jesus ready to look out for his interests. But what would happen if we sold everything and gave the proceeds to the poor? How would we cope? How would the rich young man care for his dependents had he followed Jesus' advice? One can speculate. But if we dare not follow Jesus on this, why condemn the young man? Scripture tells us to have faith, but it also tells us the man that does not care for his own, especially those of his own family, is worse than an infidel. This appears an odd juxtaposition of two kinds of advice. In a community where resources are scarce, the poor person may have better access to goods and serves than a rich man who is hated. Capitalists preach delayed gratification and self-reliance, but this only goes so far. Few people are able to provide for much beyond their daily needs. Those who achieve higher levels of wealth often pay a high cost socially. As Scripture tells us, it is difficult for a rich man to enter heaven. The story of the rich young man leaves us with many questions unanswered. We may agree with the idea in principle, but reject it as a realistic option. Perhaps the problem is not the story, but the context in which we live. To live according to the Word of God we need to establish the church. Adhering to the teachings contained in the story of the rich young man is only one part of the problem. Implementing the Christian program requires we, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord. We are the church. To build the church is to better us. This is at the expense of the world. For too long we have been unequally yoked to the unbeliever. The church has represented stability and reliability to the world. Scripture promises where two or three are gathered in his name there will he be also.
The church is not built through ecclesiastical compromise. Building the church is a work done in faith, in fact it is the fruit of our works done in faith. We cannot have faith in Christ if we do not have faith in each other. The church is insurance against unforeseen events. If we have three people who come together to build the church, we have three people we can rely on. Acts 2 verses 43 to 47 And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together, and had all things common, and sold their possessions and goods, and parted them to all men as every man had need. And they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple, and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God, and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. What did the writers mean here? We know what we mean when we say property is held in common. What did the early Christians think when they heard these words? What is meant by, they shared these goods to all men as every man had need? It is said the early church broke bread from house to house. There were houses. There was a way for resources to be concentrated at these homes. This was where the members could come to eat. What was going on between meals? Where did members stay? What did they do? Did they congregate to learn scripture? Were they preaching or praising God and taking meals at prepared locations? Did they wander the streets or amass at local synagogues? The passage says, All that believed were together, and had all things common, and sold their possessions and goods, and parted them to all men as every man had need. Did they eventually run out of possessions to sell? At some point the process petered out, and they reverted back to the ways of the world. The established churches did not arise until about the 4th century AD. Until that time believers met in houses and rented halls or public spaces. The point we are making here is that we are in the world and the church must have a financial vehicle or legal framework that allows for owning things in common. It's not likely that everyone's name would be added to deeds. Perhaps these deeds were given into an elder's hands. Or is it just that the owners of property ceased to see their property as something that existed for their own personal benefit? Would many have sold their homes or draft animals or boats used for fishing or trade? Would this make sense? Surplus land and houses would be sold if such a thing existed. Even so, there had to be some way to bring order and predictability to the selling and distribution of the common goods. When Jesus instructed the rich young man to sell all he had, the young man, like the people today, was scared. He had faith in Jesus, but he lacked faith in people. Subsistence cultures have a sense of common ownership. A kill is shared among those to whom the hunter owes loyalty to and those who are most likely to assist him, should he or his family find themselves in need. Ownership is a spiritual obligation. One hunter kills the antelope, but it is owned by all those to whom he is obligated to. 
The network of mutual obligations serves as a form of insurance. Possibly, the members of the early church were related by birth or were connected by close family ties. In these small ancient communities, one's insurance was one's neighbor's willingness to help. It did not make sense to alienate oneself from one's neighbors by breaking trust with them. Our commitment to God is a commitment to the local church. When two or three gather in the name of Jesus, they form a social network. If our works build the church, then there is a market. Holding all things in common defines a kind of market. The church is not just a group of persons who believe in Christ. This is where faith and works must be understood in context. When we have faith, we have faith in Christ working in and through us. Faith translates into works because if we trust God in the way we ought we have faith in the members of the church and work to build up the church. As was mentioned, works done in faith makes the church a market because a market is composed of people who are connected by their works and works produce goods and services. The members of the church form a single identity and become one. Just as married couples become a single identity and hold all things in common. The church adopts this same kind of organization. The church becomes owners in common of all the assets that had been owned by the individual members. The church is registered as a not-for-profit charitable institution. The commercial assets of the members are sold to the church. The assets are paid for using an issue of preferred shares. Preferred shares represent the equity of the church. By the simple strategy of creating a financial trust Christians divest themselves of their assets and yet increase their economic security. In this scenario, the rich young man could have sold his assets to the church for preferred shares. The preferred shares could have been distributed to the poor. Preferred shares operate as what we know as cryptocurrency. Prefers, preferred share units, operate as a cryptocurrency and are used to buy what the disciples needed. By developing a crypto church, the rich young man would have had access to the wealth-generating capacity of the church. A crypto church's charitable activities are backed up by a solid capacity to generate wealth using the prefers cryptocurrency. By choosing to remain the sole caretaker of all he had the rich young man failed to make the best use of what he had been given. To do this, things have to be held in common or in trust.